Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. I am so excited to talk to you. Almost as excited as I was just to see the, the mustache and the hair in real life. It is just, woo. Well, today we're going to be talking about, I think, a really important subject and something that a lot of people have been really, really, I think, just curious about and talking a lot about, and that is AI, but specifically AI and copywriting. So for those of the people yeah. that don't know you, um, you, you know, you might be considered a pretty prolific copywriter, uh, which could be a bit of an understatement. Yeah. Um, so people don't yeah, know me. Kyle, I don't are know. You crazy? I'm extremely <laughs> famous. Extremely famous. Yeah. I've been on television. I for know it's, it's such an insult. Yeah. So they should just stop listening if they don't. No. no. Um, so but, uh, the the big thing that we've been hearing really for I'd say this last year is this idea of with Jarvis copywriting AI. Is it going to replace copywriting? Are we going to have copywriters in the future? Which I don't think so. And I heard that you definitely don't think so. And I, I really want to talk about maybe the one thing or why you think that where AI could be valuable, it's not going to replace copywriting as whole. So we'll kind of. You know, discuss. Tell me a little about your thoughts on that. Um, I think AI is really interesting, and I think AI is going to replace some bad low-level copywriters, basically, right? If you're doing catalog copy, if you're doing really basic kind of email stuff, if you're not doing, like, creative work, right? Because, like, I mean, you know, in 100 years, if the planet is still here, and that's not really necessarily going to happen, um, I think AI will eventually have, like, you know, crazy emotional intelligence be able to do this stuff. But right now, at least, like, I'm not personally worried about being taken over by AI because I know what I know how to do better than pretty much anybody is the emotional components that go into copywriting, the ability to really understand the market, to understand what the desires of the market actually are, and to emotionally connect with them in a way that gets the sale. And luckily, we're not at a point in human history yet where robots are really good at doing that stuff. So I think AI can be a threat eventually, but the, where the real money is going to be made and where vendors and copywriters are going to be able to really stand out over the next 20, 30 years is really going to be the human aspect of it that AI and computers simply can't do the same way that humans can yet. Yeah, yeah, that creative connection, right? And yeah, that's exactly. one word yeah. is that that connection. So, mm -hmm. and, and I agree. And now that I, I've seen some really exciting things with AI, especially Jarvis and ideation, um, yeah. going through and expanding your brain beyond what normally you'd be able to create yourself. Yep. Um, yep. But at the end of the day, you still have to make it sound like a human. And there's a lot of fun games where you can make AI not sound human whatsoever. At least that's to say <laughs> sober humanity. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've heard some like acid heads on the street in San Francisco that sound like AI, um, yeah, totally. but, yeah. <laughs> but definitely not, you know, a, a sober, normal individual. So, uh, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously that piece could be, um, you know, you mentioned low, low level copyright yeah. just mm -hmm. be replaced, yeah. um, which I, I think makes a lot of sense. And right now there's not a lot of people that are using, I think a lot of that stuff, or if mm -hmm. they are, they're like, oh man, this really sucks anyway. Why do I have to pay for this? Yep. Um, so that's a huge benefit. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that emotional piece and why it's so yep. critical. So, you know, I definitely know, and I agree with you, but for those that are like, well, is, why is emotion the big piece and the big differentiator? Expand on that a little bit. I think it's emotion and storytelling. And the way that I can, um, explain it is simply by talking about some of my own experiences with, because I've written well over 100 VSL sales letters. I've written at least half a dozen ClickBank number one letters over the years. I don't even know how many at this point. And what's really, to me, the, the, the thing that um, has set those apart. So let me, let me talk about a few of them. One was this letter called Power for Home that I did about 10 years ago for my buddy Chris Fox. And Chris got in touch with me and he showed me the offer that he had, which was a kind of standard how to make your own electricity, you know, stave off the horrible government who can't protect you. And his version of the letter was about 
how to save money on power. The entire thing was like, hey, my name is John, and I'm an electrician, and I'm going to teach you how to uh, save money on power. And so he gave me that letter. He offered me a percentage of it, and I spent six hours on it. And I doubled conversions literally overnight. I think we increased conversions by 80 or 90% literally overnight. Because of that, it suddenly worked on cold traffic. Because of that, it eventually became a ClickBank number one. And it was a ClickBank number one for well over a year. I think it would have kept going, except for Chris eventually took it down because he was overwhelmed by the business getting too big more than anything else. And because of that, I personally made over 400 grand on that letter for six hours of work. And I did that by doing what I call um, benefit transformation on the letter. So originally, the benefit that was being pushed the most was simply saving money, right? It was like, hey, if you buy this product, I will teach you how to make solar panels for your own home, and uh, you will be able to save money on your power. You will not have to pay the electric company as much. And that's fine. That's a very basic kind of benefit thing. But what I did with it, and what I teach people how to do, is I took that very basic benefit and transformed it into a man protecting his family from a cruel and dark world, right? So if you actually read that letter, and um, actually if people want to message me, I'll give them a copy out of it or whatever else. But if you actually read that letter, you'll see that it starts off with a little bit like, hey, my name is John, I'm going to teach you how to save power. But at a certain point, the reason that he's going to teach you to save power really comes up. And there's a point in the story where it says, or the point in the letter, where it says, hey, I'm going to teach you how to save money on, on your power in a moment. But before I do, it's incredibly important that I take a moment to explain to you why um, it's important that I explain to you why it's so important to me that you learn this. And then he starts telling a story. And he says, um, if you are a parent or even just a human being, I'm sure you can feel how agonizing it was when my beautiful little daughter, uh, Emily, came padding into the room, her lips almost blue, and said, Daddy, I'm cold, right? And the idea there is, you know, it's, uh, the, the way the scene is set is that it's the middle of a storm, there's snow, the power has gone out, they're all home together. This is a guy in his late 40s, he has a family, he's kind of conservative, just like the market is actually. He's in the middle of the country. And that entire letter is not about saving money on power, though that is weaved throughout the entire thing. It's about a man trying to protect his family and do what he thinks a man who has true masculinity is supposed to do. And because of that, because we moved it away from being about saving money, which is kind of a selfish thing, and turned into a more altruistic thing about protecting your family, that's where the conversion increases really came from. That's why we were able to, because the offer itself didn't change, right? What they are actually getting, what the product mm -hmm. was. I wrote some good bullets. I, I'm good at that shit. But what really, really changed it was getting into the heart and the mind of the market um, to the point that they can they, they can identify with it. Actually, it's a really funny story. My buddy Vin Montello is a great copywriter. Uh, this guy, Steve Gray, who I know, who had a competing mm -hmm. offer in the power, uh, make your own electricity kind of niche back in the day, went to Vin and said, hey, here's our letter. And here's this one this Chris Haddad guy rewrote for, for this other guy. And they're kicking our ass. Why, why is that? Why? Why is it kicking our ass so much? And Vin said, um, well, it's because your letter is about saving money on power and his money is about a guy saving his family. And that's fundamentally it, right? Like when you look at any of my work, I'm always trying to find a way to make the, A of all, I want to make buying the product itself to feel like an altruistic, awesome experience where you have done something that is going to benefit either yourself or the people, people around you, but also just taking whatever you're selling and understanding that the product itself is not what you're selling. You're selling the end result. You're selling the hope that you hope people are going to feel. You're selling that the emotions they're going to feel when they get the result of the product. And that's what AI just isn't good at. 
right? Plain, plain and simple. AI, you know, computers, they're getting there, you know, eventually I do think in the, in the far off future when we've been replaced by robots, they'll have some really interesting emotional ability, but you're never gonna find AI that is able to do that, able to identify truly with human beings, able to empathize really, right? And to me, that's where the money comes from is the empathy and the vulnerability. What's made me a multimillionaire uh, marketing weasel is just understanding people and understanding the fears and the insecurities and the lack of self-esteem and using that as a way to bring people down the path to buy, buying the product and hopefully getting great results with it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, amazing advice, and, and we see it all the time, uh, constantly. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. Theranos is another great example of uh, yeah, you know what yeah. what emotions could do, yeah. right? It was an emotional connection with this idea and this this thing where we. It's, it's it. funny because yeah. people stopped asking questions that normally, in the absence of emotion, where mm -hmm. you purely have logic, you would you would ask, right? You would you'd wonder and say, hey, this doesn't quite make sense. But when a story is so compelling. And then the storyteller is so compelling doing so, um, we, you know, yeah. it's amazing what yeah. that could do to people in their decision-making processes. So where that was the case for yeah. evil, um, it's nice when you could do it more yeah, for Yeah, I mean, for ultimately good stories are the operating system of the human mind, <laughs> so. right? Ultimately speaking, like if you go back throughout human history, you know, when there was mm -hmm. oral tradition as opposed to written stuff, whatever else. I mean, how much time do you personally spend every day consuming stories in one way or another? Do you even know? Yeah, all the time. Between the news, between comic oh, book all movies, the time. between yeah. books, between whatever else. Like human beings, we have evolved to need mm -hmm. stories. Stories are how we actually teach each other things. Stories are how we pass down knowledge. Stories are how we install cultural values. Stories are, you know, the Bible, religion, whatever else. Like stories are, human beings cannot help but be attracted to stories. And you will see every single offer on ClickBank that has done really well um, has a very strong story component to it. It has a, a very strong um, component of creating empathy with the market, making the market feel like they identify with the narrator of the story or the creator of the product. The story is actually the same every single time, by the way. Um, I could actually, I could go through and tell, I could show you the exact beats of every single story yeah. and why those beats are there in order to create the sale. But I, again, like storytelling is, I, I'm known as probably the best story writer yeah. in marketing, copywriting kind of thing at this point, which I find incredibly humbling personally. But it's because of the emotional component to it. And honestly, I'm probably one of the most ripped off copywriters out there too, because people think figured out 10 or so years ago when I started really doing really, really well on <laughs> ClickBank, all of a sudden I saw my style and shit everywhere. And people, people told me they would wait for every single VSL of mine came out. Like Stefan George <laughs> and I were talking and he's like, yeah, every time one of your VSLs came out, I sat there and watched it five times and studied it and tried to break it down and shit like that. Yeah. He should have paid me. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think yeah. you hit a big one, though, that stories have, they continue to always live and knowing yeah. how to do it well, right? A good story lives forever. Um, you know, especially I was even thinking mm -hmm. the other day we were watching um, some shorts with my kids, which is really, really old, old stories. Yep. And it still resonates with them. Like we watched the Ichabod Crane story. Um, and, you know, why does that resonate? Well, a timeless story has the exact same arc as something, you know, modern day. But yep. when it's told really well, the, the human emotions maintain, regardless of all the other factors. We all yep. feel and empathize. And those mirroring neurons in our yep. brain connect um, to whatever desired emotion they need to. Um, and yep. if you could do that well, it, it, mm -hmm. it works. Yep. So actually, I'd love to break that down a little bit. I, we will circle back on that whole beat story. But I think one thing, because I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday. I was a really young, aspiring entrepreneur. Oh, nice. yeah. They were selling okay, a product yeah. that was it was swimsuits that don't fall off, right? They had extra stuff in there. And I was like, oh, cool. 
Oh, wow. Well, the price point on it was very large. It was very high. It was a $200 price point. And so I was like, I was like, okay, but she was targeting TikTokers in like this lifestyle way. I was like, you cannot sell a lifestyle product with no pain tied to it and expect to get any conversions. She was really struggling with that. that that's a product with no problem. I mean, yeah. how many people are really losing their bathing suits in, I mean, is this a, as a, to me, that's just not an issue that is widespread enough to really be a problem for that price point yeah. particularly. Right? Yeah. Unless you're a swimmer or a diver or something. Yeah, and, and yeah. even still in their marketing, none of it even attracted to that that problem, right? And so a lot of our conversations yeah. like, well, if this is a problem, yeah. like yeah. you need to make the buyer feel that problem to $200 worth, right? Um, so it's, yeah. again, so I, one of the things that we ended up talking a lot about, like how do you identify the emotion, the pain? So what I kind of want to talk to you about and mm -hmm. ask you is when you have a product, when you have somebody sitting there and you kind of mentioned a lot of negative of emotions how do you go about and decide mm -hmm. what is the emotional component or what emotion sure. should i really yeah. trigger for this product when you start writing the copy so if i come to you with something like what's that process look like i mean it really depends on what it is right so let's take that off that offer you just talked about with the the bathing suit that costs 200 bucks now personally i don't think that's a great angle the idea of it being it won't fall off being the primary hook especially at that particular price point because i don't think most people are kind of losing their bathing suits on a regular basis um you know certainly there are times you see in movies or whatever else where somebody dives in the pool and their top gets taken off or whatever but i think most people aren't that worried about that that said if i was going to write a story about this particular offer and try to sell it i would be focusing on shame more than anything else right away and honestly shame is kind of the master emotion as far as i'm concerned for a lot of these things if you look at my work i'm always trying to figure out what our prospect is really ashamed of but if i was going to write a story or a scene that involved um that kind of situation it would be of a woman who is you know dives in the pool is in the pool by herself and is incredibly embarrassed and humiliated and can't get out of the pool because her because her um bathing suit got ripped off when she jumped in and she's desperately afraid of getting out and there's like a guy that she likes there and she doesn't want to do like you would just build up this nightmare scenario for her more than anything else right and i, I do that a lot mm -hmm. actually like there's an offer i did called language of desire years ago that was clickbank top five for a couple of years three years something like that it didn't really really it bought my house it's an awful, awesome offer <laughs> but the thing about that offer was like when I was right, that was the first time I really used kind of the, the very story oriented, open punched in the gut kind of copy stuff that I do. And that one opens up with, um, uh, the opening line for that offer is talk dirty to me. He said on our one year anniversary, we were in bed making love. He whispered in my ear, et cetera. And that's another nightmare situ situation kind of thing for the women in that niche. Like ultimately speaking, that offer is a dirty talk offer, right? It's about how to talk dirty to the man in your life. But what we're hitting in that opening scene that made it convert so incredibly well, we were getting like 8% conversions on, on, um, relatively warm wow. email traffic off of that. Right. It was like three, four or $5 EPCs, all that kind of stuff. But it goes after the insecurity that the women in art market um, are experiencing. Because under my Michael Fury pseudonym, I've got a ton of offers in the women's niche on that kind of stuff. And so I knew going into it that every single woman in our niche feels insecure about her ability to satisfy the man in her life. And she feels insecure about um, the man in their life being attracted to other women or watching porn or thing, things like that. Um, but anyway, doing that transformation, changing it is what made that offer into a top five ClickBank thing for years and years. And there's a great bit in there where she actually wakes up and finds her boyfriend watching porn in the middle of the night and feels all this anxiety about it and goes on a mission mm -hmm. to change everything. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've heard yeah, that ESL. Yeah. It's always fantastic. Mm-hmm. So multiple times is a good one. Uh, so, uh, you know, going into that, you mentioned mm-hmm. a lot of negative emotions. So I, I know yeah. shame, obviously, a hugely uh, big yeah. driver, uh, especially for purchasing anything. Um, but are there po- ever copy that you've used that go on positive emotions? There are times that you'd focus on something that's going to be more um, fulfilling or aspirational. Um, is that something that you've ever found to be effective? Or is it kind of more negativity drives a lot more conversions for you. So so what I would say is it's both, right? So if you look at the work that I do, generally speaking, I'm usually starting with a very negative emotion of some kind, right? There's usually a scene or an opening of some kind about the narrator, the person who created the product, um, feeling humiliated in some way, feeling ashamed in some way, whatever else. Well, then during the course of the letter, what you want to be doing is future pacing what it's going to feel for the, feel like for them when they actually solve the problem, right? So in the make money mm-hmm. niche, for instance, what I'll usually do is have a scene where I talk about um, I'll future pace the idea of, hey, what's it like? What would it be like to wake up in the morning, no, no alarm clock, you know, shuffle out to the front driveway, walk down to the end to get your newspaper back when newspapers were a thing. You look over, you see your next door neighbor, you know, 50 pounds overweight, shuffling his way towards his tiny little Prius, cramming himself into his car, uh, knowing he's going to be stuck in traffic for the next two hours, working for somebody he hates. While you go back, in, while you go back into your house, open up your computer, click, uh, you know, open your ClickBank account and see you made two thousand dollars overnight. So we're creating this feeling of pride, but also this feeling of other people being jealous of you. But really, I mean, you know, unfortunately, negative emotions are where you're going to get what are going to get you attention a lot more than anything else, um, generally speaking, unless you have like a very, very clear idea about what the dream this particular prospect or market wants, what the big, big result they're going to be. But in my experience, I've tried both positive and negative emotion kind of stuff and negative usually outconverts it, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just humans, not necessarily an indictment on humanity, but it seems like we buy for pain aversion way more often than we do for pleasure, um, I guess. We're, 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 just, we're just mammals, right? <laughs> like, we're just mammals. That's all. We, yeah. I think the biggest thing, you know, I talk about this in stuff that I do, but, like, humans are the only animals stupid enough to think we're rational, right? Like, like we think that <laughs> yeah. somehow we are actually rational creatures who make decisions based off logic, but we don't make decisions based off logic again, at all. I don't, you don't, nobody does. We think we do. We convince ourselves mm-hmm. that we do sometimes. But like the great Mark Twain uh, once said, we buy on emotion and justify with logic. And that's all we ever, ever do. Yeah. It's always an emotional choice when you buy yeah. something. Always, no matter what it is. Yeah. Which is why if you tried to live life as a yeah. quant or yeah. Spock style, you would just yeah. be miserable. You'd be like, oh, this sucks. Like, what a horrible, horrible existence. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, emotions, emotions, but emotions make children Ooh. of all of us at yeah. times. So it's it's a tough thing to deal with. So um, now, so kind of circling back on a couple of things. I, I think we talked a lot about this. One thing that I see a lot of people struggle with oftentimes is they understand mm-hmm. the power of emotion but they struggle to capture what emotion their yes. audience is experiencing or should yeah. be experiencing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, which seems silly because obviously as humans, we're all yeah. hardwired to have empathy mm-hmm. unless we're sociopaths. And even still, there's some level of empathy there um, sometimes. Uh, so, but like, how do you go about stepping in and putting yourself in those moments in the shoes to really craft and create these, these yeah. scenes that yeah. feel like you've yeah. lived it? Like, I would have thought that somebody asked your boyfriend sure. asked you yeah. to dirty yeah. talk and you then found yeah. him later. Like, I, my wife would freak out about that. that. So how do you go? How do you do um, You know, to me, so I actually <laughs> talk about this in a course I have coming out uh, soon, December 2nd. But, like, there's a big section in that course that is about empathy. It's about, because I'm known for being very empathetic, understanding emotions, things like that. And what I talk about in that course is that um, 
I'm not special and that's awesome. You're not special and that's awesome. Nobody is special. We all think we are unique, unique snowflakes, but at the end of the day, we are all just snow, right? We all melt the same way. And what's made mm -hmm. me good at this is, you know, about four years ago, I, did, I got diagnosed with uh, bipolar two. So I was dealing with some very intense emotions for a long time. Uh, earlier on in my life, I got in a car wreck that crippled me for about three or four years and still caused me problems every single day. I got hit by Lyme disease for four years and lost about four years of my life that way. This all sucks right? It all sucks. It's all very, very tough. But the benefit to it is that having gone through all that stuff, I am able to use my own personal experiences, my own pain as a substitute for other people's pain and understand what they're going through, right? So if I'm writing for people who are having a physical pain problem, I don't like try to pretend that I have that exact same physical pain problem. But what I do think about are times in the past when I haven't been able to sleep for four days because I was in so much agony and getting out of bed was a 10 minute process. And I had to slowly push myself up onto my hands to be able to do something. You know, if I'm dealing with a, um, I wrote a letter for my friend Joe Barton years ago that was on um, high blood pressure. And what I did there was, you know, even though I have never personally at that point in my life had high blood pressure, I did have an experience in my life where my father died when he was 47 of a heart attack. And I was able to take that and create a story based around the idea of the narrator of that letter, seeing his own dad die of a heart attack. And then that prompts him to feel like, hey, he really needs to take care of himself and get his blood pressure down. But the main thing, like, you know, Kyle, if you and I were having a, um, a conversation at a bar, I'm sure if we got deep enough in conversation, you would tell me about all sorts of crazy shit that's happened in your life, right? Um, I mean, how else would you have grown that beard? But, mm -hmm. uh, and you can use those emotions, <laughs> you can use whatever you've gone through as the emotional fuel. And the key is to become more aware of your own emotions and more accepting of your own tragedies. I always say like, be grateful for your tragedies, they make you who you are, right? And there's, we all get older, we all get hit in the head more and more by life. Mm -hmm. And that sucks, but it's also a really valuable thing as far as being able to understand and empathize. Yeah, with yeah, it's amazing how empathy, we could use a lot more of in the world because it's really hard to ever yeah. dislike or judge somebody when you could connect your own emotions and struggles to somebody else and realize, like you said, we're all the same. Yeah. We might be traveling different journeys, like you yeah. said on the snowfall example, they all fall down their own different path until they land on the exact same destination of being snow. Um, but yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that, you know, we can't connect and things like that. So that's, I think that's really interesting. Now, some people, one, it seems like embrace your own emotions, go into your tragedy, really yeah. connect and understand yeah. that. And then I think the other part, it sounds like that it didn't necessarily say there, but I would think is you then take those emotions and try and connect them with other people's stories and pain. And when you have that, yeah. now you can mm -hmm. start replicating not necessarily your exact experiences, but be able to step into the shoes of others. Are there any like tools or things that you do to kind of keep yourself fresh with the empathy of others and keeping connected? I know, I know I always try and do a lot of like podcasts on human interest stories um, to yeah. kind of help keep my mm -hmm. empathy sharp. Uh, but I don't know if there's some specific yep. things that you do. You know, I spend a lot of time just reading about psychology, thinking about psychology. I spend a lot of time just having conversations with people. Like, you know, um, a friend of mine said, he introduced me to somebody. He said, yeah, Chris doesn't do small talk, <laughs> yeah. he said, right? And, and I guess I'm, I'm right. I, he's right. I don't talk about sports or things like that. When I meet somebody, especially at a conference, I usually end up being like, tell me mm -hmm. about you. Tell me about what's going on with your life, whatever, and get a lot of kind of interesting things out there. But I also just really try to, you know, a lot of my entrepreneur friends who have done very well, I think have forgotten what it's like for regular humans most of the time. 
you know, I live in Seattle and the pandemic has been brutal on Seattle and there's homeless people everywhere and there's a lot of people who are dealing with drugs and there's a lot of people who are having a hard time paying their bills and things. And I think sometimes it's really difficult for people who are entrepreneurs to remember that your customers are regular people dealing with regular things. And so personally, I really try to spend um, a good portion of my time and a lot of my friends are just regular people, some of whom, you know, make like 50 grand a year or whatever else. And I think that's really, really important to keep your ear to the ground in that way and not get too separated from the, the actual humanity who's going to be buying your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that that's great advice. I think sometimes the lifestyle of an entrepreneur and some of them being maybe more introverted sometimes, it's easy yeah, to find true. yourself to get too closed off, right? And tunnel vision. And that's where you see a lot of entrepreneurs chase their first success. When they were oh, an yeah. average person, oh, yeah. they were in that. the struggle yeah. and all of a sudden they get so far removed from you know, I don't, I hate using the term normal people. Cause what does really normal people mean? None of us are normal. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, kind of the common experience. Um, so I, I think that's great advice. And so, um, all entrepreneurs out there make some, some normal friends, <laughs> not just ones that live a remote work lifestyle and, you know, are in the same entrepreneur life. Um, I, I think that's super huge. Not to say that connection isn't yeah. important amongst our group, but yeah, get getting out there and remembering there's more life to that. I'd always just say like, I, I think anyone that only reads and digests like marketing books oh, God, or yeah, like, yeah. it's like, stop, just go. Mm -hmm. There's so much other stuff out there. You need to diversify, diversify your brain and remember that you can't manifest everything in the world or, yep. you know, like there's a lot of different thoughts out there. So, um, I think a lot of it is just like learning to love your customer too. Right. Yeah. Like years ago, there was a bit, um, in my beautiful house in Seattle, my ex wife was like, who are these women who buy these relationship advice products from you? And I was like, they're the women who bought our house and you will fucking respect them. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, and there's, there's a reason she's my ex-wife and not my current wife and it's largely <laughs> because of that kind of thing. But when I'm writing for you know, I'm not a very, I'm, I'm pretty liberal, I would say, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And when I'm writing for conservatives, though, I love those conservative people. I sit there and I empathize with them. I understand why they feel the way they do, why they're scared of what they're scared of, why they fall, you know, why they listen to certain kind of propaganda versus other kinds of propaganda, et cetera. And you have to do that. You cannot sell to your market if you have contempt for them. You simply mm -hmm. can't do it. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. So so kind of transitioning a little bit here. And first, I was going to go back to one one thing that yeah. I really love that you said it when, um, oh, you were talking, oh, no, I already forgot it. So okay. I thought I had it and I lost it. So we'll just transition again. I forgot um, it too, because I forget everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's such a hard problem, it is, right? Yeah. Uh, so going into talking, we mentioned earlier, the beats of the story. Yeah. So one thing I think a lot of people are struggling with in our industry oftentimes is being copy chiefs or knowing how to like have a good sense of, is this copy good or not? Yep. Especially what we've seen, freelance copywriters are way more expensive um, than they were five, six years ago to where you're hiring now. It seems like the price has gone up. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think the floor of copy has gone up, but there's still this realm where people are spending more and they don't really know how to justify or know, is this good? Is it bad? I'm just going to put it out there. And then how to work work through that process. Yeah. Now, one thing you said is you could always say the beats of a good mm -hmm. story, which if you're trying to make good copy, you should have those beats in there. Can you kind of just briefly glance over if I'm a, I'm, I'm trying to hire a copywriter, I hired them, they send me a page of copy. What are the beats that I should look for that at least tell me that I have the elements of a good story mm -hmm. on the sales page I just paid so for? So one quick thing I would say about what you just said about the price of copywriters is I agree with you, people are charging more, but there aren't, a lot of people are not charging they're charging more than they're worth. 
in my opinion. I think there's a lot of copywriters out there who have learned a little bit about copy and have gotten kind of greedy and are charging more than they have earned, and they get into situations where the conversions are not what they should be to be able to fulfill people, and it can really kind of hurt them. Um, so that's something that I, again, I just think there's too many people out there who call themselves copywriting teachers who are not teaching what they really should be teaching, and they're teaching people how to charge more but not how to write better, which I think is uh, disgusting personally. But as far as the piece of the story goes, you examine any of my letters, any successful um, VSL in ClickBank or anything else, you'll see the kind of the exact same structure every single time that I'll go through really, really quickly. And the idea of it is there's a moment of crisis. There's a moment where the narrator comes to a point where they feel like they're going to give up, basically, where they're like, hey, this problem, I'm, you know, um, I was fat, I lost weight, but now I'm fat again. I look in the mirror, I see myself, I look disgusting, I want to kill myself, blah, blah, blah. They come to this point of tremendous lowness, basically. Then they basically have to decide whether or not they're going to give up or they're going to go off and actually solve the problem in some way. They go out. They usually run into a whole bunch of um, uh, dead ends, basically, like things like that, where they try the stuff that has been everybody else has tried before and they fail. They eventually end up finding the mechanism or the um, the hook or whatever it is of the product. So it could be, for instance, with Atkins, it was B. And then I discovered this amazing science that showed that eating steak every day was actually a great way to lose weight. Then they get results with it for themselves, so they actually lose the weight. They get results with it for other people. Those people have the weight, lose the weight. Then the narrator is usually forced to actually create the product. They create the product, you go into the pitch, and that's it. But you know, the, the broad details are going to be different. But I mean, the actual details are going to be different. But from a basic structure standpoint, that's what you're going to see every single time, right? It's much like in Hollywood. If you, if you actually, I have a background in writing um, screenplays and things like that back in the day, plays, stuff like that. And if you go to Hollywood and actually look through any given movie, whether it be Lord of the Rings or Get Him to the Greek or whatever else, the structure of those stories is exactly the same, which is Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, basically. And what I've done in my own life is I've kind of mm -hmm. taken that idea and I created my own kind of hero's journey that only applies to sales letters and VSLs that are going to be 20 to 50 minutes long and get I really want to take people through a very specific kind of emotional um, journey during the entire thing very specifically I want them to be feeling different things at different points in the letter yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that you reference kind of the you know movie making, right, and and screenplay writing. I remember Perry Perry Belcher recommended Save the Cat, and I remember oh, yeah, that. that and yeah. and there's nothing that has made copywriting make more sense to me, mm -hmm. and also ruin all movies for me than reading Save the Cat because you could see everything that's happening. So you kind of know, okay, this is actually the part where we think things are good, but we're actually going to have a real death come up here soon. And it's just time and time again outside the occasional really abstract. Movie, Movie, which sometimes could break from that pattern and be good, but there's a lot more that break from that pattern and suck really, really bad. No, I so, agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but no, I, I think it's a fantastic. Uh, if way you, to go if you so, submit a script in Hollywood that is not based off the hero's journey, it will get rejected. They they, yeah. they will not make it right because that's like that is the right. And also, Save the Cat and the sequels to it are fantastic books. I highly recommend them. Good, good, yeah. Uh, so, so if you're if you're looking at your copy, remember you want to go with those beats and kind of check that. And I would tell you too, if you don't want to become a copywriter, there's still immense value in buying and training in some sort of course as well, just so you can understand what good copy looks like, how to evaluate it, and be better at you know copy chiefing, even if you don't necessarily want to. I be would a say just really, really so. quickly, Kyle, on it, like. Yep. The main thing, like, th you know, people, they hear copywriting and they think it's all about the writing, right? They have to be a writer to be mm -hmm. able to do it. And writing is scary to a lot of people. Um, it used to be scary to me when I was a kid. But the thing is, it's not so much about the writing, it's about the thinking, 
right? And the thing mm. about becoming a copywriter, I've been doing this for 17 or 18 years now, is it changes the way you look at humans. It changes the way you look at um, how people are persuaded, the logic centers of people's brains, all those kind of things. Learning to think, I actually did a speech called Copy Thinking once that was kind of about this, but like hmm. thinking of mechanism, thinking of hooks, thinking about what those core emotional drivers are. Because if you're a vendor um, or a product owner, you know your niche better than any copywriter is going to. Right. Like I know the women's relationship niche better than anybody in the world because I've been working in that niche for 10 years now. I'm also a very good copywriter, Um, but that's not the point. But as far as like like copy is important, what's more important is the offer. Right. Like crafting what that offer is going to be, figuring out what the big promise of that offer is going to be. What are you what, what is actually going to happen for like I have a product called Make Him Worship You. Right. And coming up with that name is copywriting. Coming up with that product was going to be is copywriting, figuring out the word worship and how that is going to appeal to our particular market, because I know that's what the women in our niche want is all copywriting. The best vet people I know, even if they're the best vendors I know, even if they're not copywriters, have studied copy. Right. They've studied the structure of it. They've studied the psychology of it because you cannot be a good marketer unless you also notice like guys like Perry Belcher, myself, um, uh, Todd Brown, all sorts of other people all have a background in copy who went on to become our own vendors and product owners. And it really is an incredible advantage to understand how that stuff works. If you don't know how a sales letter works, I don't see how you can be successful in this business. I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> luck. That'll last for a day. That'll <laughs> right? last for one. Yeah. Offer. Yeah. Luck, luck will last for one off. I love that too, by the yeah. way, this whole thing where like, you'll see these, um, people who like, they come out of the gate, they have a ClickBank top 10, they make a lot of money. It's really, really great. And then they convince themselves that they know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> where they're just like, well, it happened once. I'm like, well, yeah. it's happened for me dozens of times. Cause I've figured out how to do yeah. it and had my ass kicked enough and had the failures. So mm. yeah. Uh, don't think you're a genius cause you had mm-hmm. one offer go just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it definitely takes time and, you know, one, like I said, we've seen people fall into, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. they hire a good yeah. copywriter yep. and get a great offer, yep. right? So um, so kind of transitioning a little bit right now, I think that's a great transition to the kind of the next piece, mm-hmm. which is, okay, so if I feel like I'm at a deprivation of um, of copy knowledge, yep. and I need to find something in there. Um, you know, how do I find the right course? What's the right thing for me? Fortunately, and you've kind of mentioned have, already, yeah. you have, you already have a course that's coming out pretty I soon do. that could be kind of the shining light that could people be. need in their if, life. If, so if, give them the information yes. they need, if they're potentially if there. You so can get you into, if you can it? get into it, honestly. Ah. Um, so here's the thing. I've been doing this for about 17 years now. I have known as one of the best copywriters in the world, have been for a long time. I've sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stuff, at least half a billion dollars worth of stuff between all the things I've sold, all the things my clients have sold. And over all those years, um, again, I mentioned before, I got really sick with Lyme disease. I had a mental breakdown. I got hit by a truck. I had all sorts of kind of things happen. And because of that, I've never really come out and taught marketing stuff in the way that I should have. And I've had people for literally years saying, Chris, when are you going to teach us how to write stories? When are you going to teach us how to do copy the way that you do copy? And so finally, about three or four months ago, I said, fine, fucking hell, I'll do it. And I started creating this course and it's been a really interesting experience. I've taken kind of everything I know how to do from all my years of writing copy, everything that people have ripped off from me over the years. I've taken my swipe file of all my best letters that I've done over the years. I've done this entire thing about how to empathize. I've done this entire thing about how to exactly write these stories. There's an entire VSL workshop course that I put in there and put it all together. And the crazy thing is, that has been very emotional for me is like, I created this Facebook group for it. I'm only going to sell 200 on opening day. There's 1300 people in the Facebook group at this point, right? Which is pretty crazy. And they're all going to pay, you know, it's not going to be a cheap course, which is pretty cool. So, um, 
Will you actually get in if you sign up now? I'm not actually sure, but I'm hoping to do the course further on down the line, and we're going to open it on December 2nd and see what happens. So either way, if you want to have a chance to possibly get the course, just go to thepigmethod.com, T-H-E-P-I-G method.com. You'll see an opt-in page there. You can get on the early bird list for the actual um, product and the launch. You can also go to thepigmethod.com forward slash free stuff. You go there. You, I'm, I'm just using that Facebook group. I'm giving away a whole bunch of really cool shit leading up to the course. I've already been told by several people that actually watching the launch in the Facebook group has been better content than they've gotten from most things they've actually paid for, and I take a lot of pride in that. But here, here's the deal. Like, I mean, if you don't know who I am and don't know my track record and stuff and whatever else, you might just be like, who the fuck is this guy? If you do know who I am, you're like, most people that do know who I am are like, holy fucking shit, Chris is actually going to teach this stuff and are excited about it. So whether or not you're going to actually buy the course or not, I do think you should go and just check out what I'm doing on the Facebook page and get in there. And uh, hopefully you'll either get in this time or might get in further down the line. Because again, I've got 500 people on the early bird list, et cetera. It's pretty crazy. I'm excited about it. It's nice to be so wanted and have people saying, hey, take yeah. all of this money from me. I'm a fan. <laughs> Here, yeah. take my sack of money. It's yours. Um, but I think that says a lot to, uh, and as you're highlighting, yeah. the fact that there's people lining up for mm -hmm. that, this value is substantial. It is, yeah. it is real. I Even in the short time, right, we just covered very, very high level, and there's incredibly valuable nuggets of information that could change entrepreneurs, whether they're aspiring, whether they're successful right now, can change your business and your life for the better, right? If you're looking at yourself with one hit and you want more, or you just feel like your business has gotten stagnant, copy is the cornerstone and the backbone of making great marketers and consistently great marketing. So why not go to the best course and one of the best people out there? So um, I know I'm in the group, and I, unfortunately, I've been like on a two-week like Facebook How so I haven't consumed. I know, I know. I needed to get positive uh, again. My depression was yeah, getting get far get too it. bad with just the slog of all Facebook and social yep. media. So, um, but no, it's it's it's. I think such a great opportunity, even just be a part of that. And of course, if you could be one of the lucky two hundred, I'm sure you will going to be elated at what it's going to do for you. So, super super excited for that. Um, and you know, one thing I, I think the challenge to other people too, if you don't go into the group today. Um, it's one of the things you mentioned about you're not a small yeah. talk person. No one should be a small talk person. Small talk sucks. We should all be yeah, big totally. talk people. So go out there, find some people, have some big talk with them, um, because I think that's uh, – honestly, that's just what makes the world way more interesting. We can have real conversations with real people. Um, and this was Thank a real so great conversation that we had today, and I really appreciate the time. Uh, we'll make sure to put the links in the description below as well if you didn't hear them. Um, but, Chris, uh, really excited for the course, really Thanks happy to talk with you, and excited for you know hopefully when some things settle down and, and you know um we get a meet in person and have some big talk um because i think we'll have a good time with that all right awesome well you have a good one chris thanks so much again um and yeah everyone out there have a good one too bye